Welcome to the weekly update, where we go in-depth with a particular topic. Joining me today is Workplace Relations Consultant, Maria Coppolas. Welcome, Maria. Thanks, Daniel. So, Maria, we are doing this remotely, as you know, and as our viewers have known for the last couple of weeks. Uh, so, to facilitate the clue, I'd like you to look onto the screen. So Maria, that is the 1983 film Risky Business starring Tom Cruise. And that scene was Tom Cruise dancing to the song Old Time Rock and Roll by Bob Seger. Now, based on that clue, what do you say is the topic for today's podcast? Well, I mean, Tom's not wearing any pants, so I'd have to go with uh, probably a uniform allowance. It has to be the best guess that has been wrong, um, I've got to say. Um, it is risky business and the topic for today's podcast is the high risk items report for the health and allied management and admin agreement. So BHIA is currently in the middle of bargaining a new enterprise agreement for this group of employees. Um, could you provide us with uh, an update as to how bargaining is progressing? Sure. So VHIA commenced bargaining with the Health Workers Union and HASM in early August of this year. Originally, bargaining was scheduled with the Health Workers Union twice weekly, with an ambitious goal to reach agreement in principle before the nominal expiry date, which was 30 September this year. So since we're filming in November, I assume we didn't meet that ambitious goal. We didn't, but for good reason. Uh, our employer log sought to make pretty substantial changes to the management and admin structure, the theatre technician structure and the instrument technician structure. And it has taken the HWU some time to get feedback from their membership on those items. This did require the HWU to use some of the time that was set aside for our twice weekly meetings to engage with their members. And we're back on track. We are. So despite the minor delay, bargaining is back on track this month and progressing at a very fast pace. A number of employer and employee claims have already been resolved and we're nearing resolution on the wider agreement. And do we have a time frame within uh, which we're looking to resolve the outstanding matters? We remain optimistic that the in-principle agreement can be reached by the end of this calendar year. So where can members find more information about this bargaining process? So like each other agreement, we provide a summary of all bargaining meetings on our Health and Allied Management and Admin Workers Yammer page. Um, we ensure that the Yammer page is updated regularly so members can see it as close to real time as possible. So if we're moving on to the high-risk item report, in summary, this report provides a list of union claims which have been identified as a high risk to employers from either an operational or financial perspective. Uh, can you start by taking us through the claims which affect both Section 2 and Section 3 employees? Sure. So for those watching the podcast at home, we've displayed the relevant tables on screen to make it easier to follow through uh, the podcast today. We'll start with items 1A and 1B which relate to the insourcing of previously outsourced functions and the prohibition of future outsourcing. Both of these claims seemingly go hand in hand to prevent hospitals from being able to outsource services to external providers. These claims sit relatively high on the risk report uh, as a number of hospitals engage third-party providers for support services functions in particular. Our primary concern is that the HW may seek a commitment from government 
on these claims outside of the bargaining sphere? So item 1C and 1D are primarily cost issues. The public sector wage policy is capped as at 2% per annum, as we know. So HW's wage claim of 4.5% per annum um, is relatively optimistic given the current climate that we're in. Um, the claim for payment of superannuation during parental leave may be more likely to get approved um, given the outcome in the nurses and midwives agreement. Look, I agree, and, and you know their wage claim does um, more than double the Victorian government wages policy. But I agree that the uh, the claim that they've made with respect to superannuation to be paid uh, with respect to periods of parental leave may be more likely. They've also made a claim for superannuation to be paid by employers at the end of each pay period. Um, we understand that many health services don't have the capacity to pay per pay period due to payroll systems. Um, it, is a, it is a body of work that we're going to work through and engage with our reference group on. So the next item, 1F, uh, relates to the HW's claim for an allowance to be introduced for employees engaged in buddying, orientating and training new employees. Can you provide an update on the status of this claim? So we've been working closely with employers and the Health Workers Union to address this on an interest-based approach. Um, if we take a principle or a positional approach, we won't be able to reach agreement on this. Um, so what we have done is we've proposed a workload management clause to address the union's concerns related to the workload or OHNS components of performing peripheral duties outside of their ordinary duties. What we have tried to do with respect to that proposed clause is to ensure that employers meet their OHNS obligations in ensuring appropriate and safe workloads for employees, in particular those that undertake additional responsibilities, such as orientating or inducting new employees. Um, in terms of the hours of work clause, the claim at 1G is for employees to offer ADOs and full-time employment to any part-time employee on at least a 34-hour-a-week contract. Um, is this term still unresolved? Look, it's still unresolved and we've indicated to the HWU in particular that there is no shared interest on this claim and we haven't had the opportunity to discuss that matter any further. So in terms of the leave claims, HWU is seeking to allow employees to accumulate up to five ADOs when that period of leave is taken in conjunction with a period of annual leave. That's true. So one of their primary claims is an additional week of annual leave to take them to five weeks for non-shift workers and to six weeks for shift workers. We've indicated that that is going to cost uh, a lot of money uh, and the union has put forward the opportunity to accrue up to five ADOs as an alternative to that claim. In the event that the HW can't achieve that claim for the additional week of annual leave at item 1i, we do anticipate that they will push quite strongly for the claim to be able to have their members accrue up to five ADOs to be used in conjunction with the period of annual leave. Uh, at item 1J, the HW have claimed a right to present at inductions, including online inductions. Um, although there are existing terms within the agreement which deal specifically with the union's right to attend face-to-face um, -face inductions, they're wanting to expand that scope to ensure they're able to provide links, videos and other relevant material um, as part of that induction or online induction for new employees. That's correct. And look, discussions have progressed well regarding this claim. We are in, an, in, a, in a time now more particular, obviously post-COVID and, and during COVID, where face-to-face -face inductions are likely to take a back seat uh, and, and, you know, the future inductions will be online. So discussions have progressed well in relation to the union's claim around how to address online inductions. And again, we're approaching this on an interest-based approach. 
The HW is considering VHIA's alternative proposal and they'll provide an update shortly to us, but we anticipate that we'll be able to reach some level of resolution with respect to their claim. So the next item is regarding the HW's claim for employers to either distribute union communication um, or provide the union with a list of employee emails. Despite the privacy concerns with the latter option, have the HW been able to settle on an alternative resolution? We haven't yet, but since the report has been issued, we have made a lot of progress on this claim. The union explained that their intent was to ensure that they could effectively communicate with their members, whether it be via the existing notice board provision or by emails where notice boards couldn't be provided. I believe this claim formed as a result of the HWU perceiving that they don't have access to notice boards in areas where there is secure access requirements um, where they say require a swipe card. We've been discussing options around alternative proposals and we are again hopeful that we'll be able to resolve this claim. So once that claim is resolved, I take it that it will be removed from the high risk report? That's correct. So we are in the process of developing an updated high risk report and we'll be issuing that in November, hopefully in live time with respect to the matters that have been resolved to that point. Um, so moving to the next claim, the union is wanting employers to offer permanent part-time staff overtime before engaging casuals to fill shift vacancies. Yeah, so this claim was not supported by employers due to the excessive cost of overtime. Uh, so what we've developed is an alternative proposal where employers could offer shifts to part-time employees as long as their hours did not exceed the full time limit. The union is still pressing for the overtime component, uh, so the claim is still unresolved at this stage. So the next item is regarding penalties for working short staff shifts. So the HW has proposed a, an extremely complex allowance which didn't have a fixed rate, rather it was based on the vacant employee's daily wage. They wanted the wage split up between the employees who required to work short staffed. That seems like it would be very difficult to administer. Look, I, I think difficult somewhat of an understatement, but naturally we've declined the claim and instead proposed that Issues around working short staffed should be dealt with in accordance with a workload management clause. The discussions are progressing well and we are hopeful that the parties will reach a resolution soon, one that which doesn't involve an allowance. Well, that um, brings us to the free or subsidised car parking claim. Look, based on feedback from health services, this would be one very, very expensive claim. We've pushed back on the claim and the HWU acknowledged that the cost may very well be a determinative factor. The union is seeking to understand what the cost would be to uh, instigate this claim to continue, so to assess whether they wish to continue the claim. And part of our body of work that we're doing at the moment is preparing a survey for members. And this will be a question on the uh, survey, which will address the cost of uh, making parking for employees under this agreement free. So next up are the health and allied services specific claims. So firstly, we have item 2A, which is in relation to technician ratios. The HW are seeking one theatre technician per theatre. They, they are, and the unions indicated in subsequent meetings that this claim may not be a high priority for their members as many theatres already operate with at least one theatre technician. It is likely that this claim will not be progressed. So the second item is regarding the removal of code grey and code black requirements from the PSA role. Originally, this claim was positioned from an OHS perspective as the HW held concerns that their employees, particularly PSAs, were being placed in an unsafe situation due to the lack of training in some cases, but also being physically unfit to restrain a patient during a code grey or a code black. 
The HW claimed an opt-out provision and an allowance to deal with these issues. Our counter-proposal back to the HWU required an employee who was uh, sought to participate in code greys or code blacks to be trained in the equivalent standard as their clinical peers on restraint and other relevant techniques. Although the HW agreed with VHIA's proposal dealing with the OHNS and OVA matters, they do still remain wedded to an opt-out and allowance component of their claim. As a result, the claim still remains unresolved. So that brings us to the claims which are specific to the management and administrative workers. So first we have the high duties claim which seeks to bring section three in line with the entitlements of section two of the agreement. That's correct and discussions have been placed on hold with respect to the higher duties component of their claim until the management and administrative worker classification structure has been resolved. During our discussions with the HWU we did note that the health and allied services structure is very different to the management and administrative workers structure and the higher duties as proposed by the union would not operate effectively with the current descriptors in place. So last but not least, we have the introduction of a new management and administrative officer structure. So this item was both an employer claim and a union claim due to the number of disputes that have arose since the introduction of the grade 1A descriptor in 2018. The union proposed a total rebuild of the existing structure, but the parties have since discussed a more pragmatic approach, which will look at revising some of the existing descriptors to ensure the claim can be properly assessed and costed. These discussions are still ongoing and we still will require some time to resolve these claims. So that brings us to the end of the high risk item report. In terms of next steps, what other communication will VHIA be sending members to keep them up to date on the bargaining progress? So we're currently in the process of developing a progressive agreement document, which will be aligned to the same document that was issued for the nurses and midwives agreement, and more recently, the mental health agreement, which will indicate clauses which have been resolved as a principle in bargaining thus far. And when can members expect to receive the progressive agreement? So we'll be issuing it to members this week by way of bulletin, being the week commencing the 2nd of November 2020, and we'll also post it on Yammer. Okay, so that brings us to the end of today's podcast. Um, thank you, Daniel. Thank you, Maria.